So we are starting our new sermon series in the book of Romans. Um, we've been talking about going through Romans. And the reason why we, we decided Romans was because we thought it would be awesome um, to get a foundation of the Christian doctrine. And Romans is the perfect uh, book for this. Uh, Paul lays out his theological outline. Um, so a, pre- a brief introduction to Romans... Uh, the author is Paul, Paul or Saul of Tarsus. We see that he had never been to Rome. Uh, no apostle had been to Rome. There has been no apostolic apolis, doctrine there. So you have no one setting the foundation of the gospel in this area. Now, Paul longed to go there, but was unable to because of the work that God had given him. And so he said in his letter, he he gives an itinerary, I am coming to meet you guys. I am going to come, and I'm going to minister to you guys as soon as I get done uh, giving the money that was given to me by the Corinthians, uh, a generous generous offer to the Jewish church who was going through a famine. I'm going to go and deliver them money, and then on my way to Spain, I'm going to stop, visit you guys, and we're going to get more in-depth with this. But we see that his main focus for Romans is giving this theological outline of the in-depth Christian doctrine. Why do we believe what we believe? And why is it so significant to us today? So that is why we decided to go into Romans. So today we'll be going into Romans chapter 1, verse 14 through 17, and looking at what is the essence of the good news. Why is it so important to us? What is the good news? What is it? You guys can answer. I I don't have to be the only one talking. It is the gospel. It is the gospel message. The gospel means good news, good tidings. So this is significant why. why it, what is so important of this? So this is what we'll be getting into. But before we get into this, just a brief introduction of what Romans has done in the lives of many reformers, of many people of the Christian faith and the history of Christianity. One thing F.F. F. Bruce wrote, Time and time again in the course of Christianity, Christian history, it has liberated the minds of men, brought them back to an understanding of the essential gospel of Christ, and started spiritual revolutions. The first one, Augustine, one of the most influential theologians ever to have walked on this face of the earth by God's grace. He was under a fig tree, and he was under deep depression because of his sins. And he heard a boy singing a tune, and this song was, Take Up and Read. So he flipped to Romans 13 through through 14, and he found that his mind was freed for the glory of God, and he became one of the most influential theologians of all time. That's one person. The next person, Martin Luther. Martin Luther was a scholar at Wittenberg. He he knew the Book of Romans. He even gave teachings on the Book of Romans. He gave classes as he delivered many series of lectures. 
he grasped for the first time in his life what he called in his journal the righteousness by which grace and sheer mercy God justified us through faith. It gave him peace to which led him into a ministry that changed the face of Europe and the fate of thousands. The next person was John Wesley. After a disheartening adventure from Savannah, Georgia to England, he went through a bunch of storms. He went to hear Luther give his preface on the book of Romans. His preface, preface. He later wrote in his journal, During the reading, his heart felt extremely warm. I felt I did trust Christ, Christ alone for salvation. And in an assurance was given to me that he had taken away my sins, even mine, and saved the law, saved me from the law of sin and death. So this book is one of the most influential books of the Bible. All the Bible is influential. But this is going to give us a grasp of why we believe what we believe, and we'll be covering the foundation of it all through these, these four verses through 14. So let's read Romans 1, 14 through 17. I am obligated both to Greek and barbarian, both to the wise and the foolish, so I am eager to preach the gospel to you, also who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God for salvation. To everyone who believes, first to the Jew and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, just as it was written, the righteous shall live by faith. These are huge. This is huge. It's challenging. But before we dive into this text, let's open up in prayer. God, I pray that as we get into your word and dig deep, I pray that you would lead Holy Spirit that we would learn, that you would just transform our hearts, that you would challenge us, that you would move within us, that we would, may go and take your gospel to the ends of the earth, that we may not be ashamed, but God, that you would speak to us and bless this time. In your name I ask these things, Lord Jesus. Amen. Okay, so this, these, these verses are huge, this passage. This is going to set the foundation for the rest of the book. And I think verse 17 is one of the most important verses within the whole book. This gives the theme of the whole book. But starting in verse 14, we're going we're gonna to work our way and then we'll work our, our way back to 14. Because these are some challenging verses. So in verse 14 to 15, Paul has an obligation to both Greeks and barbarians, to the wise both to the wise and to the foolish. This gospel message that he is about to present is for everyone. This gospel message isn't just for the top people in society, but also for the people who would be, be considered um, illiterate. This would be for the people who are considered poor. This is the gospel message for the poor. Now, Paul had an obligation. Why? Because he was an apostle to the Gentiles. He was an apostle, and he had a burden for both the Jews and the Greeks. And God transformed his life on the road to Damascus and said, you are going to take my gospel, and you are going to proclaim Jesus Christ to everyone you encounter. And Jesus changed his life. So because he changed his life, he was obligated. This obligated is translated from the Greek into debtor. He is in debt to these people, no matter who they are. 
He is in debt to them because it is souls. He is seeking to win souls of the people for God. He understands that this gospel message is something to be reckoned with. Something that changes lives, and we're going to get deeper into that. But there's something about this good news. And we see that Paul was both a a Roman citizen and also he was a Jew. So this is significant because now he's presenting this gospel message to both. He, ha- he was on the fence. He knew exactly what the Greeks were going through. He knew exactly who the Greeks were and the barbarians, the people, the Greek society during that time. Just a little back history. The Greek society of that time, this is Rome, the center port of everything. All roads lead to Rome. This is where he wants to get the gospel message to because he knows if he gets the gospel message here, it's going to go out into all the world. So this point, he knows that the Greeks, this is a big city of about a million people, There's a lot of philosophies, a lot of false doctrine happening in this place. A lot of people think that they are wise and intelligent, but yet he says, this gospel message is for you. It doesn't matter how wise you are. It doesn't matter how foolish you are. This gospel message is for you. So we as believers, have we taken the gospel message? Not, some of us know what the gospel message is, but some of us don't. But are we taking the example of Paul? Are we debtors to this gospel? To take it to everyone? And we don't, even, we, we don't just see that he was debted to take the gospel, but he was eager to take the gospel. That he wanted to take the gospel to these people, and he was eager to get there. Because this message had an impact on his life. Now, it's challenging to us today. Do we take this gospel message to the people in our workplace, in our school, to our friends, our family, even to total strangers? Is this something that burdens us to the point that we want to tell everyone about it? And there's an eagerness that this is supposed to burden us for the whole world. So just in those couple verses, it's very challenging to us to to sit back and think, am I being like Paul? But we will see why he felt this way in in the next two verses. It's, It's awesome to see that Paul was always looking ahead. He made plans to touch other people's lives. It's far too easy to settle into spiritual routines whether it's coming to church, whether it's in being in religious habits. It's far too easy to get caught up in this routine and not let the gospel message affect us in our day-to-day life and not just on Sunday. So going in to verse 15, so I'm eager, he was eager to preach the gospel to those who are in Rome. So this is to every believer and non-believer who is in Rome. Verse 16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. I love this verse. He is not ashamed of the gospel. What does that mean? Well, I just gave you a little bit of background of what was happening in the Roman culture. It was full of Greece philosophy, of gods other than the living God. They became to worship 
the Pluto and Jupiter and all these other gods, and they were considered the gods rather than Jesus Christ. They considered themselves wise. Now, this gospel is about a Jewish carpenter who was crucified by Rome, so it would have seemed foolish. It would have seemed humorous to the people for Paul to take this gospel. So not only was he urgent to take the gospel, but he wasn't humiliated by the gospel. Even though the society would have said he is a fool. We see this in 1 Corinthians. But he was still eager to take it. He said, what a testimony. I am a debtor. I am eager And yet I am not ashamed no matter what you think of this gospel or what you think of me or what you think of Jesus. It is something that is life-changing. Paul had a firm conviction of the origin of truth. People might ridicule you for your faith. We might lose friendships because of our faith. We might be afraid to be labeled as a hypocrite that going to church is just full of hypocrites. Well, it is. I'm I'm one of them. But we might be afraid to be labeled as a hypocrite. Sometimes we keep our faith private instead of making it public. And that's walking closely to being ashamed of the gospel. And what does Jesus say? He says, if you are ashamed of me, then I'm going to be ashamed of you in front of your father. If you don't acknowledge me, I'm not going to acknowledge you. So Paul was not ashamed of this message. Why was he not ashamed? Because it is the the good news is the power of God for salvation. This reveals the saving power of God, not of man. Paul had been on three missionary journeys already, and he had seen the work that this gospel message could do, how it can transform lives. We see that power is the Greek word dynamos, which we get our words dynamite and dynamic from. Nobel invented the dynamite in 1867. He took the word dynamite from the Greek word, which means power. See, there's some parallelism here. There's power. There's spiritual power. This gospel can be devastating and destructive. It can have an effect that destroys views and traditions, paving a new way for construction. He wanted to take this gospel because it is powerful. It is of God. It is the power of God to transform somebody's life. It is to transform a person from a sinner to saint. The power of God for salvation. This is the gospel message. Jesus came to die. God created the world. And he said it was good. In his creation. And he he created man and he said it was very good. We see this in Genesis 2 and in Genesis 3 what happens? The fall. This is the reason for every brokenness, every tragedy that is happening in our world today. 
Sin has now entered the, wor- entered the world and has caused a divide between man and God. But God knew that man would re- rebel against him. God knew that he would choose sin. But this is beautiful, that he still chose to create man. And in 1 Peter, we see, 1 Peter 1.20, we see that Jesus Christ was foreknown before the foundations of the world that he was going to come and he was going to cover the, the world with their sins by his blood. So even though God knew that man was going to turn away from him, he had a plan before the foundations of the world. There's this brokenness, and we all have rebelled against God. We're all going to have to come before God on Judgment Day and give account for everything that we have done. There is not a love that is more comparable to this gospel. Because God doesn't just leave us hanging there. Because if we've all rebelled against God and we had to give account to God, we would be found guilty. There's not a single person, the Bible says, there's not a single person in this room that is blameless, that is perfect, that is not guilty. There is sin in every single one of our lives. But his love, he loved you. And he sent his son and he said, I will take on this punishment. I will take on this judgment. And I will put it on my son. So Jesus came, lived a perfect life of, uh, without blemish. Fulfilled all of the old, old prophets of the Old Testament. He fulfilled the love of God in, in walking in man. He was... He was a servant to all. As, as Philippians says, he did not count it equal with God, but he stepped down from his throne to, became a servant, to become a servant to all men, even to the point of death. So Jesus said, I will take on the hell. I will take on the judgment that my people that I have created, I will take that on for them. I will bear that and put it on me. So on the cross, he hung on the cross on earth, and at that moment he became guilty of adultery, of hate, of murder, of robbery, of pride, of slander, of gossip. He became guilty of sin. We see in 2 Corinthians 5.21, For our sake God made him, who, made him sin who knew no sin, that we would become his righteousness. And he was buried. He died on that cross. And he was buried. And he resurrected on the third day. And he is alive now. And he is reigning. He conquered death for our sake. This gospel message is the power of God to bring his creation back to him who has chose to rebel against him, to bring them back to him in redemption and in a relationship with him. That's 
why Paul was not ashamed of this gospel. The simple message of the gospel that can be taken all around the world. Because God had made a plan and he loves you. He loves you enough to come down and step down from his throne to take on our sin. On that cross, he took on your sin and my sin. And he said, I will have victory and I will give my people victory. This is an everlasting salvation. You are saved and delivered from the law of sin and death, which we have inherited. The Bible says, from, we will be going over this a little bit later. So, The Bible says, from one man, Adam, sin came to all men. But from one man, righteousness came to be given to all. So no matter what you have done, no matter who you are, no matter what class you are in, no matter if you, no matter what culture, no matter what race, this gospel message is for you and this is to bring you back to him. Verse 17. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith Just as it was written, the righteous shall live by faith. So in this gospel message that I am not ashamed of, that I am obligated, that I am debted to take to all people because God has saved me and it has the power to change the lives, in this gospel message, it reveals the righteousness of God. We are now given the righteousness of God. Because it is not anything that we do, this is a gift from God. He says, this person's a sinner, but because of my blood, I declare him righteous. This verse right here is the theme of all of Romans, I believe. Because we see throughout Romans... Righteousness of God. You see righteousness declared... Right here, righteousness is demanded. In order to have a relationship with Jesus, you have to be righteous. But we know that none of our works can get us into God's presence. We cannot be made right before God by anything that we do. It's by the price that Jesus paid on the cross. This gospel message destroys every wisdom and righteousness of the flesh, as said by Martin Luther. All we have to do, because now we are declared righteous, if we were to go before a judge on Judgment Day, this is, this is the picture. We go before God on Judgment Day. And we are guilty. But Jesus steps in and he says, no. I paid the price for him, for her. 
I paid that price, and I made him righteous. He has now gone from a sinner to a saint. No matter what he has done, I have covered that. I have brought him back to myself. He is mine. And we are made righteous without blame. We are now covered by the righteousness of God. And all we have to do is what? What does it say? The righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. We just have to have faith in him. John 3.16, we all know this from VBS. We all know Romans 10.9. We just have to believe and trust in him. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. We believe in him. Romans 10, 9. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is the Lord and that he raised from the dead, you shall be saved. We believe this message that God God has given us righteousness by the death of his son. Through the resurrection, he is alive and he is living. And Paul said, this is the message that I am not ashamed of. All we have to do is invite him in. Revelation talks about how Jesus stands at the door and knocks. What does that mean? We abide in him and he abides in us. He is now Lord of our lives. We surrender all things to him. I love how Michelle puts these worship songs and the worship band does this, how they have these songs that just flows right into the message. I love it because we surrender everything to him and we're in surrenderance of him. All praise goes to him because there's nothing on our own accord. He will abide in us, and, and him in us, and us in him. He is now Lord of our lives, and we just surrender it to him. But that is why Paul was debted to everyone to take this gospel to. To tell them about the power of God, how this can transform your life. Break down the sin that has overcome you. He has set you free. What a beautiful message that is. That we are declared righteous. So what do we do about this now? Because we got to come to a point. When we, get, when we come to this gospel message, we have a decision to make. We're at a crossroad. Some of us, have held back what God has done and this gospel has done in our lives. This is a challenging time because we're called to go and preach the gospel to every corner, to everyone that we come in contact with. If we're a believer here today, let's look at Paul. What is Paul doing? Because of the price that was paid, he has a debt. And his life now belongs to Christ and he's going to go and tell everyone about this. Are we doing that? 
Or are we ashamed of this gospel? Because it gets very, very easy. I just had a conversation with one of my buddies this week. And he is a thinker. And he asked me some questions that were really hard. And you know what? God revealed them through this. This message. But I'm going to tell everyone, no matter how difficult it is for me, no matter how much I have to step out of my boundaries, let us go out and proclaim the good news. That's my challenge to you as believers. To you who are not believers, who have been living in sin, what are you going to do? Because either your heart hardens to God, Hebrews talks about, I hope, maybe I've, let's see, nope. Hebrews talks about how we can harden our hearts to the gospel. But beware. You don't know the time or the hour when this life will come to an end. This life, I watched this video that Francis Chan gave, and he gives this illustration, and he puts a piece of tape on this rope, and it's about this big, and this rope wraps all the way around. And I might have said this to you guys. But he says, this little portion is your life, and this is all of eternity. What you do in this part is going to affect all of your eternity. So if you're at that crossroad and you don't know who Jesus is, repent, turn to him because it is the power that brings you back to him because you are declared righteous because of his blood. So, this is a time to reflect. We're going to close our eyes, bow our heads, and that's the essence of the good news.